Hello friends, it's Monday morning, it's the morning after the night before, it's the Kings of Anglia podcast time. This week I've got my microphone plugged in so that's a good start. Um, boys, it didn't come home last night but not to worry because it's which town are back in action and that's what we're mainly going to talk about for the whole of this show. I'm your host Mark Heath and with me, Roscoe is off today because it's his birthday, um, so send him birthday salutations if you can, but with me I'm pleased to say are the boys, the dynamic duo partners in crime i'm going to come to andy warren first hutchie mr blue tick himself how are you my friend need to get over the blue tick it's not changed me i'm exactly <laughs> the, i'm exactly look at me i'm the same hutchie drove us to dartford on uh, on saturday and you did an admirable job hutchie i've got to say you were very just like your your general persona very calm controlled and precise behind the wheel um stewie you traveled on your own because you and hutchie obviously secretly don't get on um how are you yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, uh, people don't know this, but it's all it's all an act between Andy and I. We don't. We're quite good at the act, to be fair. Mm. It's a, mm. we, we, we're good at it, but in we we hate each other. It's very it's very Gallagher brothers, isn't it? You, you two of you, for public personas, you kind of grin and bear it, but behind the scenes, core dear. Anyway, boys, let's start, shall we? Um, I just alluded to it there. The night, the morning after the night before, England last night. Um, unfortunately, lost the Euros final to Italy on penalties. Um, obviously, we were all watching. What did you make of it, Stewie? Oh, um, I think like everyone, I just feel sort of really flat and disappointed and deflated today by it all. Um, I think we peaked too early, both the team and and the nation. Looking at the scenes yesterday, everyone getting a bit excited. We're seeing people thinking, "You're not going to make kickoff when uh, <laughs> quite a few beverages by about 12 p.m." And um, yeah, scored, scored. A crap football cliche, but scoring too early. I don't know. It sort of, I, it, yeah, it, it was all a bit downhill, wasn't it? From about 30 minutes onwards, we just got mm. deeper and nervier and. Uh, the crowd kind of went a bit quiet and um, best team won, didn't they? No doubt mm. about it. Fair enough, Hutchie. I mean, it, like like Stewie says, it, it felt inevitable, certainly from the start of the second half, that Italy were going to equalise because mm. we just kept getting deeper and deeper and inviting more and more pressure. Mm. Um, and when it came, I knew as soon as they equalised, it was going to go to penalties because that would make my life harder because I was working last night and so deadlines would be tighter. Um, so I wasn't surprised when it went to penalties. What did you make of the game? Same as Stu, really. Like the thirty-minute, the thirty-minute mark. I, I turned to my wife, who I was sitting on the sofa with. She could not have cared less. By the way, she was, she, <laughs> she, she was. Um, I think she was both listening. She had earphones in, um, but wasn't listening to anything. But wanted to give the impression that she wasn't engaging in, in the football. She could not care less. And I said, I said to her, "This is what's going to happen. They're going to that they're going to go into their shell and, and get get deep and cagey and and settle." And then uh, and then get picked off, and then that's that's what happened. It's it, it it's so disappointing. But there's a small part of me that's kind of quite heartened by the fact that some things never change, and you can still <laughs> I don't know. You can still kind of I don't know. Maybe it's just sort of the grounding that we needed to not get not get too carried away. But um, yeah. Sad. You can pick it to bits, can't you? Who, sh- who should have taken penalties? Whether you should do silly run-ups for penalties? Whether you should bring players off the bench 
just to take a penalty. But I, I think that's all. It's all unnecessary picking. I think the best the best team won. Yeah, won the won the final. But England did it did an excellent job all, all summer, and it and it should all mean that the the World Cup next year is a is a similar experience, but with hopefully a better outcome. Yeah, we've got a lot to be positive about, haven't we? As as a as a as a footballing nation, obviously getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup and now the final of the Euros, um, all bodes well. I'm not sure how hot it's going to be in Qatar in December next year, Stewie. That could work against us, but it's all very positive, isn't it? Yeah, you look at the, the ages of the, the players in that squad. It's a it's a team that can grow. I think in previous tournaments, it's always been t- the root and branch review has always been a bit like kind of end of an era and starting again and. You know, this feels like a, a group that's um, got a lot more to give over the years, hopefully. Mm. So, just heartbreaking for Saka at the end, wasn't it? Seeing, you know, do you see Calvin Phillips sort of sprint from the halfway line to be first there? And yeah. Connor Cody, who's played such a big role sort of as the non-playing captain almost, but, you know, was really consoling him. And Southgate, we talked about it, handles himself so well. So, that there is a lot to take heart from, but... Um, Right now, it's uh, it's hard to kind of look ahead too much at the moment. It's all it's all a little bit too raw still. Yeah, I've got a ten year old nephew who's who was in bits last night. Apparently, um, learning the same lesson that I learned at Italian ninety. Um, I'm kind of it sounds cool, but I'm kind of pleased in a way because he was getting in his head that this is what happens with England. They get to semi finals, they get to finals, they win things. Um, so it's a cruel lesson in life. Perhaps he's learning now at the age of ten. This is what happens with English football. Even if you get to the final, you lose on penalties. So, uh, fingers crossed, things will improve for next year. Boys, obviously, we're here now to talk about Ipswich Town, so let's do that. Let's go on to the latest in sexy stuff, Stewie. There's not a lot, really, to discuss since we last spoke, um, but there is a little update on uh, on Mr Crooks this morning. Do you want to bring people up to speed on that, and then we, we'll talk a little bit about Dartford? Yeah, the Matt Crooks saga continues. He uh, played and scored in a pre-season romp for them on Saturday. They beat, uh, I think it's Parkhead FC, Good side. side up uh, <laughs> in Yorkshire. They beat them 11-0, Matt Crooks, among the, the goal scorers in that one. Um, Paul Warren asked about him afterwards, said there is, is no update as far as he's concerned and that uh, he is due to be on the plane for their pre-season uh, trip slash tour of, of Hungary, um, but did sort of add that he expects developments. So... Um, Again, that's all being played out quite publicly. Mr. Warren is now being asked about him frequently, mm. and, and that will continue. Um, Championship Club reportedly um, topped Ipswich's offers, and that was also rejected. We know that they've, uh, well, it's been reported from up that end that they're after a, um, a valuation well into the seven figures. So th- this will get done. Uh, it's not going to go right to the end of August because I just think it's too far down the road but whether it's Ipswich who are the club that get it done or whether there's a championship club in a position to uh, to swoop first remains to be seen mm. Okay well that's a potential new signing in terms of new signings that are actually in the building we got to see them for the first time at Dartford on Saturday the first pre-season game for town um, and the first game with, with fans back for a long time boys we were all there we went mob handed to Dartford um, a lovely little setup, actually, Dartford's ground, Prince's Park. I was I was really impressed with it. Um, do you want to talk first of all about your, just kind of your impressions of the the day, uh, and then we'll talk maybe more in specifics about the game and the new signings. Hutchie, how good was it to be back in a football ground with fans? I've been waiting for that for for a long, long, a long, long time. We've been in a, in a privileged position where we have got 
got to go to football grounds over the last over the last year but it's um as we've said many many times it's been a pretty miserable existence soulless ghostly empty mm. but this was um this was a, a pre-season friendly like like you would you would see any summer really like lots of Ipswich fans Ipswich fans make treks to to pre-season games in if they're relatively close in good number and they were again I'd, I'd say that probably the majority of the fans in the ground were were town fans and um it produced um it produced a really a really nice positive atmosphere where like, you had mm. two sets of fans going at each other you had had Ipswich fans who were obviously really pleased to to see their team again to see new players to see Mark Ashton roaming the concourse to say hello um it was great it's just just a, sli- a slice of normality that we've that we've all needed and wanted and that football desperately needs yeah i mean the capacity there is just over 4000 isn't it and i think there were 1600 plus there on saturday but it felt pretty full to me um and it, it <laughs> that first time you got the fans going back and forth town fans coming up with the uh, the classic your support is really rather underwhelming chaps um towards dartford that just made me smile it's like yeah this is this is what football's about Stewie, what did you make of it all yeah, that was good. Um, still waiting for a oh, your ah, when, when the goalkeeper takes a goal kick. Uh, that will be a big tick when I hear one of those for the first yeah. time again. Maybe some choice language for for the referee. Um, but you know the the Dartford fans they were they made a bit of noise, didn't they? Yeah, they absolutely. They're giving it their some. drums and uh, giving it some, and Ipswich fans sort of playfully giving it back, that sort of exchange between fans, as Andy said, even in the couple of games where sort of a, a small number were allowed in last season, it was just obviously one one set of fans with, within a ground. Um, and yeah, a lovely, lovely setup there, isn't it? Um, yeah. as, a, as a National League South ground, that, that was that was nice. And the, just everything, the, the sights, the smells, the, the burgers, the uh, everything. And as I say, it was very accessible. Um, we got chance to sort of have a chat with a with a few people and Mark Ashton and Michael O'Leary and Leo Neal were all there sort of mingling amongst the fans. And there was just a real sort of um, energy in the air. I think obviously sort of uh, leading up to the, to the final the next day as well, everyone was feeling a bit giddy. So um, Mm. yeah, really nice afternoon out. That was. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, I can confirm that you mentioned burgers there. Roscoe did not have a burger. So there were no pictures of him munching on a burger. The boy didn't bring any food at all. Uh, and rocks up in shorts. Somehow he got through it because it, rain was forecast, but he, he was he was sitting pretty at the end of the day, unsoaked. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he basically survived the afternoon on Haribos uh, in the in the, the press car, didn't he, Hutchie? Provided by you as well. Not, Provided by not, my good self. Not, not even his own Haribo. Um, yeah. Would you would you say that makes me a better travelling companion than Stewie? I bring I bring sweets. We don't travel together, me and Stewie. <laughs> so I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> It's it's a good start, Mark. It's a good start. Don't yeah. let let's see let's see how you go. But um, something, something it's definitely a, yeah, definitely. Po- I, don't, I don't know what one of them was because I, I was just fed them, wasn't I? Just <laughs> while I was while I was driving, a hand would appear, just like have a little bite of that. Yes, please. Yeah, you um, say you say boutiques not change you, but you do now insist on being hand fed. Yeah, well, that's just <laughs> that's that's just part of it. <laughs> Shall we talk about the game, boys? Um, me and obviously you were you were in the the little press box there. Um, you almost got scuppered by the, the sprinklers, didn't you? Pre game, Hutchie, you were telling me. I was all I was all right. I I was I had my little I had my coat up as kind of like a barrier, but Stu was required to leap into action 
excellent reflexes from Stuart Watson to uh, to very very quickly remove his laptop from the line of fire, wasn't it, mate? You um, yeah, it was I was given. Thank you to Dartford's goalkeeper in the second half, who seemed a bit <laughs> of a character. Uh, like their their sort of subs were sitting sort of behind us, but he was out warming up, and uh, the sprinkler sort of shot up. And uh, obviously it goes around in a bit of a 360 motion. And I just in a split second heard him go, oh, no, not the laptops. <laughs> I, I managed, I, literally a split second, I managed to sort of react to that and uh, slam the lid shut before the keyboard got got ruined. So that could, that, have been a, that could have been a moist start to the season. We literally had front row seats, didn't we? It was, you, were, um, you were right at the front, yeah. Um, good too, 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 too close, some might say. I couldn't see half the pitch because of the Dartford manager was just stood, <laughs> stood there. So uh, I'm led to believe Macaulay Bond hit the bar at some point. Oh, he did, mate. Absolutely. It was. Yeah. I, I put a video online of that actually, on Twitter. That's, that's, that's the only time I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, one hell of a, a strike from Bond. Um, in terms of other pre-game... Um, Things to, to to note before we get on to the game. Um, Pladke, very, very flexible. Watched his warm-ups. He, um, he, he can do things that the human back shouldn't really be able to do. Uh, and also John Ashton. I watched him take the, the players through the uh, the warm-ups, you know, the, the kind of hands in the air, jogging, high knees, all that sort of stuff. John Ashton is an absolute tank. He was wearing this kind of white, um, tight T-shirt with his, his tattoos. He looked like an army drill sergeant, you know, like, that's the kind of gear they wear. He is huge. Like, um, you know, like in cartoons, in Popeye or whatever, where they're yeah. kind of going to their thumb and the, the mm. top half just sort of inflates. Exactly. That's, um, what he looks like. He is, yeah, um, yeah he's, he's very well built, isn't he? He's, uh, you, he's, if he's telling you to do a few more laps at the <laughs> training ground, you're not going to argue with that. Exactly. That's what you want, isn't it? He's not going to be getting any beef about um, doing the bleep test or anything like that. Uh, anyway, boys, let's talk about the game itself. Um, now, I'll take my lead from you here, boys, because I am, unlike you, I'm a bit of a stranger to Ipswich Town friendlies. You've obviously covered loads over the years. But the first half seemed to me to be in, played at a really high tempo and pace. Uh, and there was some real intensity about it. Obviously, we were very close to the action. Me and Roscoe were behind the, the town goal for, for both halves. But there was some real hard running, some physical tackles going in. Players looked like they were really up for it. Yeah, I think that was the fans. I think I, I think that was just the, the presence of fans. You, you, you're right. We've seen a lot of these games, and mm. that they're not great normally, are they, Stu? They're 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 normally just box ticking exercise of minutes in the legs and things like that. But the first half of this game, especially, it it felt like a real football match, and I, and I think that's purely down to the presence of the fans. I'm sure the players kind of stepped out on the pitch and realised they missed fans more. I'm sure they missed them, but I'm, I'm, mm. I'm sure they re- didn't quite realise how much maybe until until they were playing in a bit of an atmosphere again. And um, yeah, I'm sure that brought a little bit more, a little bit more out of all of them. Mm. What? Let's get into it then, Stewie. What did you make of the, of the performance from town? Clearly, you know, it's a friendly, it's against the National League South side, but um, the first half I thought was, was pretty positive. A lot of the new boys, impressed me what did you make of it all yeah first half was the first team players wasn't it so all six of the new signings straight into the, the starting 11 so we had Hagkey in goal um then Janoy Danassian at right back Toto and uh Wolfie at center half uh Penny at left back Harper and Evans the two new boys at the base of the midfield Dobber on the left Burns on the right and then sort of Bond playing just off of Norwood up front so it's about as strong as they could get from from the players that they've assembled 
thus far. And though it was nil-nil at half-time, I thought Ipswich were the team that kind of asked most of the questions. Mm. Born, as we've said, cracked the crossbar from outside the box within a couple of minutes. Um, Ipswich worked the ball wide quite quickly. I think we've talked about what Paul Cook's sides are going to be like. Um, you hear him a lot talk about switch the play, switch the play. I think he wants you to drag the opposition left and right, left and right, and tire them and find the space and get crosses in the box. And the Lee Evans pass to Matt Penny was probably the most seen pass in that first half. Just Evans Evans and Harper, but Evans in particular, I thought, looked strong and composed and uh, used the ball really well and positively. And Penny got loads and loads of crosses in from that left-hand side. None of them quite created loads of danger. I guess the, the nearest was Norwood kind of flinging himself in at the near post and a brave bit of goalkeeping. Um, but there was a lot to like from from that Ipswich Town in the first half. Um, Harper and, and Evans was probably the two biggest positives for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Should we go? Should we go through the new signings name by name, Hutchie, and just just ask for a few few thoughts? Hard to say with Flagkey in goal because he he didn't really have anything to do at all, did he? I didn't see him touch the no. ball barely, really. Um, so, shall we move on? Shall we start with with Harper and Evans because, like Stewie said, those are the two that stood out for me. I thought Evans looked absolute class, like a at that level, just kind of cruising through the game. And Harper was <laughs> was really exciting to watch. Very, very lively indeed, going forward at every opportunity. What, what did you make of those two? Like we, we talked on the last one of these, Evans is the signing that I'm most excited about because I think he's he's a nailed on a nailed on thing. If he's fit, mm. he will. He, what you see is what you get. He's going to help the team tick. And um, so I wasn't surprised what I saw from him. But with that, with Harper. Um, yeah, he shows some flashes of all the different attributes that he's got. He's clearly adventurous. He's, he's mm. he wants he wants to make something happen, but he's also on the forty five minutes showing here. He's, he's also able to take a bit of responsibility as well. Um, so I think there's every chance that is the, the Ipswich engine room um, to start the season. And um, yeah, I th- quietly quietly positive from from the first forty five minutes on those two. Mm. Matt Penny, Stu, you've already alluded to him getting forward quite a lot. Crosses maybe weren't weren't the best, but what did you make of him? Yeah, I was um, did what was probably asked of him as, as a left back to get forward. Him and Dobra worked quite well um, with Dobra sort of drifting inside to leave the space for for Penny to get beyond um, delivery. Probably you'd hope a few more of them were kind of whipped in with a, with a bit more danger. But um, yeah, reasonably encouraging signs from from him uh, on that first showing. Still think there might be another left back to come. So um, mm. yeah. We'll see. Um, Wes Burns, Hutchie, the Hirsute, um right-sided attacker. Uh, I noted because I got very close and personal with him at one point. He came crashing into the board and he's just in front of us. He's he's a big fan of the thigh tattoo as well, um, which is which is de rigueur among footballers. He seems to have a, a pack of playing cards on his thigh. There you go. Um, that's my behind-the-scenes insight. What does you make of him as a player? I'm sure there's a real deep meaning to that that pack of playing cards. Yeah. Um, we'll make sure make sure to ask ask him when we're allowed to allowed to talk to him. Um yeah, I I think he we know what Wes Burns can do. We've we've seen we've seen him. We saw him very recently twice play play against Ipswich. We know he can get on the ball and we know he can drive with it and he showed he showed some flashes of that. His mm. I kind of felt like his his side was different to to the left side, the right flank was a little bit different in that um, 
to be fair, Genoa Dinastia did get forward and did get beyond a couple of times mm. to cross, but it didn't have the kind of the same oomph from the fullback position. And a lot more of the kind of the forward running came from the winger, whereas mm. on the other side, Dobra was coming inside and working and, and uh, Penny was going outside. So it was, a, it was a little different there, but he was able to get on the ball and drive with it. And he had a couple through the middle of the pitch as well, which um, which I like. I think if he can get inside and, and sort of run centrally I think that there could be danger there mm. could be danger mm. there as well he's a he like Penny he's another that he's it's not like Evans and Harper who I feel like are going to be opening day starters I feel like Ev, Ev, um, Burns and and Penny are going to have some real real competition for their spot so they'll be you know they'll be looking to to win a place um, going forward see so you nodding away there He's a ball carrier, isn't he? Whereas Burns is someone that can drag you 30, 40 yards up the pitch. I think his best moment came actually through the middle of the park where he picked it up quite deep and just sort of drove at people, gets defenders backtracking, won a foul on, on the edge of the box, which Norwood slammed straight into the wall. But um, yeah, Kane uh, Vincent Young um, wasn't deemed ready to start in this one yet. Um, we're told, which was just a sort of precaution, and Paul Cook saying that he only wants players to be sort of fully fit. So. Hopefully that's just the latter stages of his rehab from the, the shoulder injury that he got on the last day at the end of last season. But um, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be adverse to Burns starting at right back if if needs be. I think he kind of could bring the, the qualities that Cook wants from from that fullback position. As Andy says, we've seen him a couple of times for, for Fleetwood, and he played sort of wing back or, or right back. So hmm. um, yeah, okay. Um, rounding up the new signings in Hutchie. Finally, McCauley Bon up top. We've already spoken about him uncorking that cracker of a shot early doors, which smashed against the crossbar. And that was also a great thing to have fans back for because you had the classic, oh, hands hands on head sort of thing, which was tremendous. Even little things like that, you don't realise how much you've missed that, do you, uh, fans in the crowd? Anyway, um, what did you make of McCauley Bon? Uh, yeah, it's some good, some decent enough moments. Um, I think you could, you could see perhaps that him and Norwood are, are quite similar players mm. in some ways, different in others. Um, first time they had played together uh, in terms of, of chances, that's kind of as good as it, as it really got for him, mm. but some decent little link play moments in there. And um, yeah, be interested to see once a number 10 is brought in, how those strikers get used going, so gonna, going forward. I was going to say, Stuart, can you see those two playing together kind of full time, Norwood and Norwood and Bond? Um, no, I said to Andy pre-match, it would be interesting if they had suddenly clicked as a two because it mm. takes you back to the start of the first League One season where uh, the plan wasn't really to have Norwood and Jackson as a front two. and then But the fact that they were scoring goals and dovetailing OK kind of forced them to stick with it. Um, I think Cook's pretty... Uh, I think we know how wedded he is to 4-2-3-1. I said before, Bon is a, is a proper number nine. Not really sure he's he's as suited to sort of playing in that hole, and there wasn't a huge amount of link up play between between the two of them. They mm. both did okay without sort of anything special. So, mm. um, but yeah, clever bit of movement from Barney hit the bar. He also hit the post. The offside flag was up for a marginal one. That was from an acute angle. So, um, yeah, like all of them, I think just wanting to see a little bit more of them over the next few weeks. Mm. And just before we move on, uh, onto the second half and the goal and, and Town winning the game and, and the kids playing pretty impressively. Um, we talked also previously about uh, the existing players maybe staking a claim in pre-season. 
there are a few obviously in, in that starting eleven on Saturday. Luke Wolfenden looked big, bigger to me, kind of bulked up a little bit. Was there anyone that particularly kind of stood out for you from the existing players? I know it's only forty-five minutes, and it's you know all those kind of addendums. But what did you make of that, Hutchie? Dobra probably <laughs> be the one, the one yeah. for me, who's obviously had a little bit of a a journey himself. Um, starting the preseason with the under 23s and very quickly moving back to the first team. I think he, he, some of the issues that maybe we've seen with him before in terms of holding onto the ball too long, running into dead ends, maybe ironed out a little bit. He played mm. quite a responsible game. I thought he um, had some good attacking moments some good defensive ones as well, winning the ball back and was, was neat and tidy with everything that he does. So um, yeah, I quite, I, I enjoyed his, I enjoyed his display and um as as much as he isn't Kane Vincent Young and he isn't Wes Burns, I think I, I thought Janoy Janassian did okay as well. Um maybe this is the start of another another Renaissance. Who knows? The Renaissance period take three. Um Stewie, uh, anything to add to that? Agree with agree with Hutchie there? Yeah, probably not anything more from, from the first half. So um second half it was all change, obviously. The kids came mm. in. And before we move on to some of the positives from the kids, it was a rocky start to the second half. First five, ten minutes, they were under the cosh a little bit, the youngsters. And uh, Thomas Holy didn't do himself any harm with some, mm. some really good saves. One in particular, a full-length dive to his left to keep the ball, ball out of the bottom corner. So our understanding was that both Holy and Cornell were told that they could move on in the summer. Cornell's gone, obviously. Hladke's come in. Um but there's a lot of business to be done, and it, if Holy continues to do okay, it might just it might just convince them actually this isn't a position that we've got two fine goalkeepers here. Do we need to give ourselves more more business mm. to be done here? So yeah, Thomas didn't do himself any harm, and he got a bit of love off the fans as well when he yeah. was warm up and in the first half he was getting his own little uh, chant from them as well. So I'm sure that will have. Um, Done his... Holy guacamole! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly very, very popular with the fans. He had a big grin on his face as they, as they started, as you say, giving him his own chant. Um, seems to be a thoroughly nice bloke. We should mention when we go on to the second half, of course, it was a very, very young team that played second half, with the exception of Thomas Holy and, and El Mazzuni. I guess he's young himself, but on the fringes of the first team picture, it did look like a teacher, six foot nine Thomas Holy, and a bunch of students um, out there. But um, there was a reason for that, wasn't there, Hutchie? I, I assume they were hoping to play a few more of the the under twenty threes, but there was there was there was a COVID issue, wasn't there? Yeah, not sure exactly who that's affected, but obviously, um, yep, yeah, a touch of touch of COVID. Hope they're all okay, and but that ultimately means that sort of whole whole groups, whole bubbles get get shut down, don't they? So. Um, yeah, that's uh... um, and was that why we didn't see any of the the bomb squad? Because clearly that was one of the, the narratives going into today. Was would we see any like Downs or or um, Caden Jackson, anyone like that? That was why they weren't there, was it? It certainly removed the question, didn't it, Stu? I don't know yeah. if it, <laughs> I don't know if it um, <laughs> I don't know if it was necessarily the reason or not. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll never know if they would have featured had it had it not been for that. Obviously, they've been training with the twenty three, so that second half team would have not only potentially had the likes of Downs and Jackson and uh, Bishop and Kenlock, who are the kind of four in the, in the bomb mm. squad now, but also kind of took away a chance for people like um, Gavin and Tyree Simpson and players that had kind of been under 23 regulars and trophy players and fringe players last season. So um, without all of those being available, it meant for basically sort of an under 18s and and below side really a few of the mm. players that had been involved in that run to the FA Youth Cup 
semi-final last year and some some other younger ones as well that not, not many people um, will have known about. So, um, yeah, as you say, El Mizuni and Corey and Darbo were probably the two elder yeah. statesmen in the uh, the outfielders at, at 20 and 21, the grand old ages of. So, um, yeah, as I said earlier, it was a bit of a rocky start to the second half, but they settled, they grew into it, and uh, they won the game with a, with a really nice goal from Tawanda Chirewa. Yeah, it was a cracking strike, wasn't it, Hutchie? Yep, kept it kept it low, bounced, beat the keeper, job done. And uh, yeah, fans loved it, didn't they? He, that was a great moment for, for him and for those mm. young players as well. Not both, not just scoring the goal, but kind of celebrating the win. And Paul Cook mentioned it at the end about kind of taking the acclaim of of the crowd as they they went off. For a lot of those players, well, for probably all of them, that'd be the biggest crowd they've ever certainly the loudest crowd they've ever played in front of. So, yes, it was only a friendly and, and yes, it was a, a very young side. But, um, yeah, it'd be a big moment for for a lot of those players. And a few of them had some really, really good moments as well. Yeah. Any, anyone in particular stand out, boys? Obviously, I'm looking for a replacement for Drizzy at the moment in terms of my affections. Um, we already know about the crane train, sadly not um, departing at, at Dartford Station at the weekend. But um, I've got another one, mate. Nico Valentine. I like the look of him. Diminutive, exciting young uh, player. Pink boots as well. Extra points on the Heath scale. Um, anyone else stand out for you, boys? I've always quite... I've, the couple of times I've seen the, the, the right-back, Agbaje, is, um, I like him. Um, mm. He's He kind of fits the mould, I guess, of of what of what Cook likes from a full-back as well. So, obviously, he's going to be a long, long way away from that from that stage at this point. But um, he can get up and down good... Good in the tackle, good on the ball. I, I quite like the quite like the look of him. Stewie, yeah, I'd agree on that. He scored the goal, um, didn't he, Edwin Agbaje in the in the Liverpool game in the Youth Cup, and uh, we got a, talked about how close we were to pit, the pitch, and he was on that sort of right side attacking right in front of us, and he's a he's a powerful young man, and um, uh, so that was that was good to see uh, up close. He's um, I liked him. Um, I like Albi Armin as well. Um, probably didn't have, uh, wasn't as influential in, in, this, in this game, but on, on previous showings of, of him, I think uh, he's, he's a, he played left back, but he can play anywhere sort of along along the back four and our midfield. His socks rolled down. Um, I like. I think he's one that's got a bit bit of a future. Um, but you're right about Valentine. I mean, he's only 16 still, Nico yeah. Valentine, and there's been a bit of between him and Jack Manley who wasn't involved at the weekend. Those two are the ones that people have been talking about for, for some time at Ipswich. Yeah, Valentine looked, looked exciting to me. Um, so Ipswich Town start with a win. They won 1-0. Um, any other notes from the game, boys, before we move on to, to other stuff? No, I think I think we're all good, aren't we? Cool. We should mention um, that there was a, a member of the town hierarchy uh, there um, being very prominent, Mr Ashton. Um, who was there looking immaculate, I have to say, boys, as he always does, um, very smartly dressed, uh, and, and doing something which is so easy and simple, but yet it's such a nice thing to do in terms of going round. We passed him several times, me and Ross, just, just walking round, going kind of section to section and, and meeting people, saying hello, uh, introducing himself. I saw he posing with pictures. He did an interview, I think, with a, with a young fan as well. Um, that kind of stuff is... As I say, so easy to do, but it it feels so important to me. It's you know it, it's part of kind of this reclaiming town and, and reconnecting the club to the fans. 
Yes, massive. It's um, the name of the game is is building up as much goodwill mm. credit as possible, and you make hay while the sun shines. You're in this honeymoon period at the moment, and um, where anything seems possible, like you say, it's such a small thing, mm. but it goes such a long, long way. And we went in to see Mark Ashton last week to do that interview, and he was saying to us off air how he, you know, was getting stopped in supermarkets and when he'd gone to get his hair cut and people are going oh good luck and sign some more players and he was saying to them don't you be calling me a so-and-so in a few months time when we lose a couple of games or whatever so um he's well aware he's been around in football enough to know that that once you're in the sort of heat of battle of a season that that things change but just what he's doing now will go such a long long way um to, to building goodwill with people and um the more of that you've got in in the bank heading into a season, the better. And uh, it's genuine as well. It's not. Mm. You know, we've seen that enough first hand now to know that this isn't this isn't an act or a game being played. This is this the, the passion is genuine. The desire from the ownership all the way down to kind of reset the culture of this club and reclaim Ipswich's family club um, engagement community. Mm. All all of that good stuff that's in the, the very sort of fabric and fibre of this football club is, is coming back. And um, that was really nice to see on Saturday. Yeah, one of the chats I had with the fans, I spoke to a lot of fans on Saturday. So if you were one of them, thanks very much for, for getting involved. It's all there to go and watch on on YouTube, on the Kings of Anglia channel, game day, um, lots of pre and post game stuff. But this, this was a chat off camera, just a general chat um, about Ashton going round. And one of the fans said to me, you know, look at the difference between this and Marcus Evans we weren't even allowed to see a picture of him for the first few years and you know here you've got the public face of the club going round and, and shaking hands I'm sure that's something that that the game changer guys will do when they can finally get over here as well um being as you segued into it you may as well talk about it now the Mark Ashton interview boys last week an incredible listen really really interesting stuff um if you haven't been to it already go back and listen to it that should be on the, the podcast previous to this one um Hutchie just just your talk a little bit about about the interview your impressions of Ashton what he said um the kind of key lines out of it yeah it was it's not a hard interview to do um with um with someone who's so so passionate about what he's talking about and prepared for it as well he he Mm. clearly thought about messages that he wanted to get across and and he did that he did that well and it's, it's just so clear that there's there's someone with a firm hand on on the on the wheel at at the club at at the moment it's we we know that's been missing Mm. missing for so so long um and it's and it's really noticeable yes when the takeover happened a, a lot of attention was was on the the three lions the the new owners and they were kind of very public and and that was great and it still is great and it will be great going forward but in terms of the day-to-day running of the football club mark ashton is the single most important guy in in terms of the the whole club there he heads it all up and he's clearly through through part of it that we're going to i'd imagine talk about in a moment is is doing a really good job of kind of channeling the philosophy and the approach of the owners hmm. into the club. He that's his job to to ensure that the owners can put their their blueprint on on the club going forward. And I, I guess that's probably the big the big takeaway from this going forward, Stu. Is 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 the final part of that interview where if if people listen have listened to it, I'm sure they'll know what we're we're talking about. But in terms of a, a club philosophy, that was. Um, I'm sure we could talk about that a bit now. Go for it, Stu. Just to, if people haven't heard it, just to explain a little bit about that. 
yeah, just a, a, a very powerful message, which is filtered down from from the ownership group, specifically um, Mark Steed, who's the chief investment officer at uh, the, the pension pot in, in Arizona for the um, fire service and the police service and everyone there. That's where the, the, the funds are coming from um, with this new ownership group. And, and Mark Steed had been speaking to the rest of the owners and Mark Ashton about recognizing that where this money comes from and that this is the pension pot for as i said firemen and policemen who run towards adversity and from what i gather i think there's been quite a few lives lost in in the arizona fire service with with obviously sort of there's been some horrible wildfires and things going on in america over on that side hasn't there in, in recent years so that message wanted to be filtered back to Ipswich to say this is where the money's coming from. It's coming. It's money that's for people that run towards adversity, and that message needs to filter back to the players that you know you need to have that same level of you run towards danger, and this is what it means to play for Ipswich Town. And I, I thought that was a really, really powerful message. And by all accounts, Mark Ashton has sat down with several of the players and relayed that message and. It, it is a powerful message and he says that it's it's really sort of resonated with some of them and he's he's seen it in their eyes and they've kind of thought oh okay yeah that that means something so um as much we keep saying as much as this is about Ipswich have got money and resource and ambition behind them now as much of this will be about culture and we've talked mm. about engagement and community and the messages that that filter down from from top to bottom um and i just thought that was a really really powerful message and i'm glad that we were able to uh to give a platform to to bring that to people, mm, proper lump in the throat moment, wasn't it? I mean, you, you talk there about culture, and, and we've we've spoken at length on this show about the culture at town maybe not being where it should be. And there's a saying, isn't there, in in advertising, people don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. Um, that is the biggest single driver in human emotion. Really, you want to know why people are doing things, not what they do, why. Um, and that is that message on its own. Um, is a very very powerful why Hutchie. Yeah, it's, uh, Mark's Mark spoke about I think Wes Burns, Raheem Harper, and and James Norwood were the examples that he gave of players that obviously Raheem and, and and Wes were were new signings through the door. He had a conversation with James Norwood where he relayed that as well, and that that will be something that I'm sure these players probably haven't haven't heard that that kind of thing in in football um, all that often. Um, mm. That that kind of powerful powerful message yes they'll have spoken to their previous clubs and their own that their owners and managing directors there about about the why the club is the way it is and things like that but in terms of kind of power a powerful message and 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 community and and responsibility that is huge isn't it I think responsibility is probably the word that that I would use the most regarding mm. this in, in terms of you really do have a responsibility both to both to yourself and um, and to the football club and to the people that are are funding this football club to to give everything and um, I I don't think you can you can go too far wrong with that can you if you can get people in the building that all believe in that and and take that responsibility you're, you're that's half the battle really mm. connecting to the why is another advertising cliche isn't it the other thing the other main takeaway for me from the interview boys and it is 
very much worth going back and listening to if you haven't 38 minutes of your of your time it's very much worth it um aside from the transfer stuff obviously you talked to me about that um and in terms of Ashton being an impressive individual we've all spoken to him uh, he does he does speak very impressively but also when he starts talking about Portman Road and the fact he you know he's quite upset about the state of Portman Road and you think this is actually a guy who gets it who, who knows where where fans are coming from um, and you think to you know predecessors the likes of Milne and Clegg, good men, but not football men, not people who really knew what football fans wanted. Um, and for me, the stuff about Portman Road, Stewie, was 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 really good. Yeah, I think Portman Road, the state of Portman Road, has become almost shorthand for the the stagnation of of the football club and the football team. Mm. Just a slow lowering of standards incrementally over time. Not so much that you notice it on a day-to-day basis, but over a period of time, it adds up. Uh, People talk about sort of like the moss growing on the roof and the Mm. faded seats. And ultimately priority is to sort the team out and get promoted and be successful and everything else kind of follows from there. And I can understand when money is tight that, that is not your top priority, but Mark Ashton has come in immediately. And I mean, you were there on his first day when you did that interview and you said you could see him sort of looking around as he was chatting and mm. seeing, looking at the state of the stadium and almost the cogs whirring thinking mm. we need to get this sorted out, you know, and you could hear the, the anger, the disappointment, the, the frustration in his voice. He was talking genuinely about um, this is the thing that's giving me the most sleepless nights I'm going to bed thinking about Mm. I can't get this all done in time for the start of the season was almost overly apologetic like I will get this done I Mm. promise you but it might take you know 12 to 18 months to get all this this sorted but um yeah just this the message again another powerful message you have to have pride in your home Mm. Uh, how can you have pride in everything you do your your surroundings set your standards um you know, we told we've been told a little story, sort of what, that he's sending around pictures of the dirty dishes in you know in the offices at Portman Road, saying this isn't good enough. You wouldn't do it at home. Sort mm. it out. I've washed them up. Here's the before picture. Here's the after picture. You know, get the little things right and the big mm. things. You know, sort themselves out. So that's a little insight into to how Mark Ashton works. I think that all speaks to changing the culture again, doesn't it, Hutchie? I think in the interview you were you were referencing the, the peeling um, tape on, on windows at Portman Road. Again, kind of another metaphor for, for town. But there is a lot to be said, I think, for the environment in which you are um, impacting on your psyche. And Portman Road at the moment doesn't look like a place which breeds champions and shit's excellence, to use a, another cliche. Um, I think there's a story, isn't there, from when Sir Bobby took over, that one of the first things he did was get everywhere painted and made looking more impressive. Um, what did you make of, of the Portman Road stuff from Ashton? Yeah, it is. It's just kind of wear and tear over years that hasn't been paid attention to. Like an example, Mark gave was that he's had the had the lines painted in the car park. It mm. that that doesn't affect whether Ipswich win or a football match or not. But what it does do is just makes the place just these things add up. Like there's a sign on the back of the back of the south stand that lights up with the club logo, but some of the bulbs are broken, so they don't turn it on, and that 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 projects like all the way up the kind of all the way up the hill into Chantry um, up mm. Hawthorne drive. Like it's almost like makes Portman road a little bit of a beacon. Um, 
and if that's not on, then it, it can't act like that. Like people walking around up in Chantry, you can see that sign if it's lit up. I've seen it in years past, and and it's just a little reminder to people. Oh yeah, the fo- football club's down there. That looks that looks great. Maybe I'll go to a game. It's just little things like that that they all add up, but they've all been allowed to slowly kind of drip, 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 fall backwards to the point that they all need doing at once. But if mm. you're kind of keeping on top of these these little things, then it it shouldn't it shouldn't be an issue. Um, Look, we've been here before with with Simon Clegg talking about painting the turnstiles, and that kind of got ridiculed, and, and you know, even got turned into the name of a fanzine sort of thing. It's just like, so ultimately, people care about sign goal scorers, win football games, and the rest of it goes away. Mm. And Paul Lambert, for all his faults, was, you know, he, very early on, he talked about if you get your infrastructure, if your infrastructure's down here, and people can't see this, but. At, and your football team is right up here. As soon as mm. the football team doesn't function, there's a hell of a long way down to drop to where your infrastructure's at. Whereas if you've got the the structure behind it, you don't drop so far. And I think that's where that's how Ipswich have kind of fallen from such a great height so quickly mm. that certain things behind the scenes were allowed to slide. Uh, another example Ashton uses is that you know um, the air conditioning went in in reception so what they did is they got rid of the receptionist and (laughs) you know instead of fixing that and I'm sure it wasn't quite as black and white as that obviously there were cuts across the club because of relegation and COVID and and all the rest of it but you know he talked about we will fill those positions now this football club will be open for business again and it's Mm. um, if you work in an environment where you're seeing little things slide around you I'm sure that that you lose percentage points of motivation across the board but it Mm. it adds up to quite a big thing so Mm. um it's this cultural change that probably excites me the most around the football club at this moment in time Mm. two more things from the interview boys that i want to ask one did you see the data dashboard we've not seen it but but we will don't worry i want to i want to i want you to see it i want you to describe it to people and secondly where did the interview take place in his in his office which was Previously, a manager manager's office, which says okay. uh, says a lot about this, uh, in that it it's been a manager's office for for quite some time because there's not been somebody in in the position that that um that marks in at the moment. So, as we left, they had a carpet fitter coming in. Um, so he's getting a new carpet uh, from the same place I got my carpet from. Is he? So, so he'll be uh, he'll be all right. We had to. I had to text him after we after we left because we turned his fridge big fridge off in there um, so that it didn't interfere with the sound which had his lunch in it and a load of <laughs> load of drink in it and we forgot to turn it back on again um, so to avoid some food poisoning there but um, yeah I think he's he's slowly making himself at home in there nice big nice big office where I'm, I'm sure a lot a lot of uh, big conversations are happening. Was there anything on the walls? What, give people an insight. What, what, was there anything? Yeah, so there was another noise interference. That so having dealt with turning off the aircon and the, the noisy fridge whirring in the background, another little interference that we had is that they've uh, they've got a problem with some some pigeons and uh, <laughs> birds at Portman Road at the moment, and and one had kind of got within the inner wall of the office and was kind of flapping around in there and banging against the inside. So. That is something they're currently dealing with in between sort of dealing with agents and um, 
players and and all that stuff, the sexy stuff, the non-sexy stuff. Is it calling in like a hawk handler, which I've <laughs> had in the past to kind of scare away the uh, the unwanted pigeons that are making a mess everywhere and things like that. And as Andy says, it was a hive of activity. Um, like another a tiny little thing is that he's, Mark Ashton's changed the door from a solid door to one with with glass windows in it, so that there isn't a feeling of kind of him being locked away and him being mm. very sort of accessible to everyone so that that was a little detail that interested me and he's using it's got two doors on it um one of them opens straight out onto the kind of one side opens straight out onto the stairwell which yeah. he could just and the and the other one kind of goes out into like an open office that's got like other like all, all the different members of staff from different departments and he he exclusively uses that one the one that comes out into into the staff area i think he said he, he keeps the other one keeps the other one closed because so that when he leaves the office, he's going out sort of into just to be with other, be with other people. Superb. Where else would you get these insights than the Kings of Anglia podcast? Did you get a look at his lunch boys? Uh, sushi in there. Yeah. Sushi. Was it sushi? Yeah. Yeah, Which is why that fridge needed to be turned, turned back on. So Um, hopefully he's not going to get food poisoning now. I I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I bet Ashton's a man who likes a a heavy pile on a carpet as well, boys. Um, And there was obviously one glaring oversight from the interview. You asked all the key questions, but given that we're sponsored by Manscaped and Ashton strikes me very much as a man who would probably be into Manscaping, you didn't ask about his testicle trimming regime. What were you doing, boys? It it didn't feel appropriate. (laughs) But I mean, looking at that immaculate sort of... uh, line on the beard line on the facial hair yeah you know we we can we can send him some products so we can we can we can push the code his way at some point i'm sure absolutely and that code of course is k away at manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free delivery me and hutchie were talking about the merits of the weed whacker on the way back from dartford in in tidying up that that nose hair and that ear hair which i'm definitely going to invest in um boys moving on we should also of course in terms of interviews and chats um from the weekend it was your first time speaking to paul cook since demolition day um you had a chat with him post game anything anything to highlight there i think he he played a straight back didn't he on the, on the demolition day questioning he's looking forward isn't he Stu? I, I think he's a man that's very keen to look look forward and not kind of look back at at the wreckage yeah made that very clear really it was just a the question had to be asked paul we haven't seen you for a couple of months in that time mm. 20 whatever players it is have departed and it's been a big rebuild. You said you'd be demolition man. He just said, no, nah, I'm not going there lads. Basically uh, that's done. We've moved on. I want to look forward. So um, it's pretty, I think his words at the end of last season have kind of spoken for themselves really and what what he's trying to do and what, what's happening at the moment. But um, the usual sort of flat back with specific names, uh, Matt Crooks and Burson, Selena, et cetera, just that um, we're in for good players and sometimes good players are worth waiting for. So mm. um, we're at that stage. Mark Ashton had said in that interview that he wants at least five more. I think it will be more than that, um, to be honest. Uh, but the, I think the better signings are, the, are still to come. And the better players have more interest. And, and hence why they tend to happen later in the window. So um, we're at that stage. But... Um, I would hope that I would say they're on par for where they need to be with this transfer window. A couple more in the next week or so would be good. And uh, I'm sure there'll still be some business going on once, once the season is underway as well. 
Mm. How was Cook's voice after the game? Had he shouted himself into a different personality again, Hutchie? I think it's. I think that's just a permanent state. I, I know it's not just match days that's doing that to him. It's it's training sessions. So I don't <laughs> think I don't I don't think there's any way back any way back for his his voice. The voice change happened within the first twenty seconds or so. Um, Is it? Yeah, there's. Uh, it's not something that he's going to get away off away from. He needs to have some more of those ice lollies that he was he was having as kind of a soothing, the chocolate button ones. I think he was saying um, that the kind of he uses to try and soothe soothe his voice. Nice, um, and we should also, I mean, from uh, from the kind of the joy of being back in grounds and stuff, and and seeing town play and various other things we talked about being very, very positive. There was some really sad news on Saturday morning, boys, just as we were, we were setting off to Dartford. Um, Ipswich Town lost one of their true greats. I mean, the, the term legend is, is bandied around nowadays uh, for people who really don't deserve it. But this guy really does. Paul Mariner, um, one of the greatest players the town have ever had, probably one of the greatest strikers certainly the club's ever had. Um, none of us were old enough to see him play. Um, and I don't think any of us ever spoke to him. But in, in terms of his stature at the club, Stewie, there's no doubt that, that this is a big loss. Yeah, sadly, not someone that um, I ever got a chance to spend time with or, or interview because he's obviously spent a lot of time abroad, Paul Mariner, mm. over in, in America and, and Canada. But um, everyone that you speak to not only speaks so highly of him as a player, again, sadly, before my time and, and older listeners will, will wax lyrical till the cows come home about how good a centre-forward Paul mm. Mariner was. But a personality to match it, a colossus on and off the pitch that the tributes have been flooding in. You know, obviously, even before the, the Euro game, Euro final on, on Sunday, there were there were tributes being broadcast to, to Paul Mariner. Um, one of the all-time greats, probably top, top 10, top five players in Ipswich Town's history. Um, a day that I think people knew was coming because Paul had, had been ill. Um, but nevertheless, the, the, you know, when, when it's confirmed, it's still uh, very, very sad. And uh, we spoke to a lot of people at the ground on, on Saturday about uh, about Paul and hearing stories about him. And um, there was a lovely moment, sort of, it hadn't really been confirmed whether it was going to be a minute's silence or a minute's applause. And it kind of, the referee blew his whistle. There was a split second silence wasn't there. And then mm. a couple in the, in the director's box started to applause and it rippled around the ground. And I just... Uh, thought that was a, a real sort of hair on the back of the neck moment uh, on, on Saturday. Mm. Hutchie, anything to, to add on, on Mr Mariner? Just it, it's pretty clear from anybody that you speak to who did both see him play and, and knew him as a person, just uh, he was uh, clearly an incredibly gifted football football player, but also a really a really good man. Um, this, mm. We've got plenty on our, on our websites. There's plenty of tributes from his former teammates and, and things like that. But one that really did strike me was on, um, I read yesterday actually on, on TWTD from, from Mel Henderson, who is a, a former journalist at, at our newspapers, but is also a former public relations officer at, at, at the football club in the, in the days of, of Bobby Robson and, and his, um, his tribute to, to Paul on there is really worth reading because it's it's not just touching on the the football side where clearly we all know he was a brilliant striker. Mel compares him to um, to Alan Shearer in terms of of style, which um, which is obviously someone that, uh, people of my age will have watched a lot more, and you can see that from the goals that he scored, but also just um, just what he was like as a man, kind of around the club and and things like that. It's a really good 
a really good read. So I'd, I'd recommend that one, that one mm. as well. It clearly touched a lot of people. The quote that summed him up as a, as a player, I think the best quote is, is the Bobby Robson quote, where he talked about sort of in his latter stage of his managerial career, I worked with some of the greatest strikers in the game and he reels them all off and Nistelroy, Ronaldo and then and Paul Mariner at Ipswich. You know, you think the, the players that Bobby Robson worked with and he puts Paul Mariner right in that top, top bracket. I mean, that, yeah. that says everything, doesn't it? He had such a tight squad, um, Bobby Robson, and so many of them kind of came through the youth system here. But Paul was one that that he went out and spent a little bit of money on, wasn't he? He went and spent 200-odd grand to get him from from Plymouth and, and that was kind of seen as the almost the cherry on top to kind of take that team to to the next level and and they certainly wouldn't have achieved everything that they did in, in seventy eight and then eighty one um without without Paul Mariner. He'll um he'll be sorely, sorely missed. Mm. And I like this idea from from one of our, our friends, one of the KOA fan social guys, Matt View from the U2 also goes as Bono. I met him on Saturday. He did some video with his pre-game. Really nice guy. Uh, and he tweeted that um, 26th of March, 2022, town host Plymouth. Let's make it poor Mariner Day, which I think would be a really nice thing for, for the clubs to do and, and for fans to get behind. So fingers crossed that will happen. Obviously, thoughts very much with, with Paul's family and friends. Uh, just finally this week, boys, town, obviously, preseason is up and running now and they're back in action tomorrow at Berrytown. The game is a sellout. Um, 645 tickets, I think, have been sold, and that's as many as they can they can sell in this current COVID climate. Um, anything particular you'll be looking for tomorrow, boys, or just another chance to run your eye over the squad as it is at the moment? Stewie, it'll be interesting what sort of uh, what sort of teams there. I don't know what the situation is going to be with, with COVID. Whether there's still going to be uh, some isolation, um, but when when that's over, my, the the biggest thing that's going to intrigue me in the next couple of weeks is what's going to happen with, with Flynn Downs and, and the bomb squad. And I feel like there's everything to lose and little to gain by kind of playing them at the minute. If, if Flynn Down comes in and looks head and shoulders above everybody else, but you've kind of got your stance set on him going, that that's not a great look for anybody. If one of them comes in and gets injured and a move is off and they're then sort of hanging about the building for however long, that's not great for anybody involved. So I'd be surprised even when the COVID stuff's gone away to see them involved in, in some of these games. Um, but in the meantime, while, while all these transfer plates are spinning, it's just an opportunity for somebody. There's always one or two in pre-season that kind of step up and force their way in, into the picture. Um we talked about Dobber. I think he's probably prime candidate at the moment while they're, while they're trying to get in, in wingers and those players in the front positions. Uh, if he can carry on the way he finished last season, the way he played on, on Saturday, um, someone like him might just might might just be able to force their way into Paul Cook's kind of tight 22-ish man squad, I imagine. Mm. Anything you're particularly looking for at Berrytown? Actually looking forward to your trip to West Suffolk tomorrow? Just looking forward to... I always look forward to going to Berry Town. It's a club that I, of course, it's a club that I've built on uh, <laughs> on, on Football Manager over the years, turned them into European champions. So uh, um, always, always good to go back. Yeah, back to Ram Meadow, which you turned into a seventy thousand seater, didn't you? By the end of your your final, well, not quite that. But planning the West Suffolk Council um, <laughs> weren't particularly helpful with planning permissions. But they've got a new, they've actually have got, since I've last been there, they have actually got a new a new stand 
at yeah. at Ram Meadow. So it's it's a nice place to watch football if you if if you've not been before. It's a mm. it's a lovely little ground, and there's um it's a shame this game is not happening a week later for them because they'd be able to sell an awful lot more tickets, I'm sure. But um mm. yeah, should be should be a good one. I'm looking forward to looking forward to going there again. There you go then. Follow it with the boys tomorrow online. Both the boys will be there um, bringing you everything that happens at Barrytown, all the various analysis, pictures, everything you'd normally expect from us. Um, boys, we've covered quite a lot of ground this week in the pod. We've gone from England through to Dartford, through to Culture, through to Sad News, through to Tomorrow's Friendly as well. Lots of ground covered. Anything else you want to mention, boys, before we, we take our leave? I just wanted to add sort of thanks to everybody that we, we had a chance to to, uh, to say hello to on Saturday there was a few people stopped and, and had some kind words to say about the, the Mark Ashton's view and the stuff we do and, and that, that was really nice we saw um, I know you've name checked a few people that we saw we uh, we got to meet Tom Tomalin who we've interacted with on, on Twitter a fair bit o- over recent times and to hear people say like the podcast has almost been a bit of a companion to them during a during the pandemic and when you know loneliness has gone up and people have been stuck at home and stuff that that put a real smile on all of our faces so um sometimes we feel like we're just shouting into the void here and you kind of forget that there's people listening on on the other end so um that was really nice thank you yeah I should do, also... you know, do you know what else made Stu smile is there was some chance weren't there mate come on one one Stuart Watson, I believe, at, at one point that that made you smile. Didn't was it? there? Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear oh, that. Not not ju- not during the game, um, but after after the game. Really? That's, yeah. Uh, that's one one now. After you you got the Wimbledon experience, didn't you, at the back end of last season from the roof? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> did it happen right next to the director's box where where at my, Mark Ashton and Michael O'Leary were sitting or? Maybe it did. <laughs> <laughs> the check in the post, guys. Thank you. Yeah, no, no chance um, aimed at, at myself and Roscoe. I, I'm pleased to say, um, friendly or otherwise. Uh, I should also mention that we got to meet uh, as part of the the chats we had with various people on on Saturday. Jack McLean, friend of the show, number four, formerly Jack's Larder, who it turns out, boys, is related to someone we worked with for quite a few years, Callum McLean, which I had no idea. Um, really nice to meet Jack. Uh, and also, there was there was a tantalising brush. With another friend of the show, Little Melon Man, who uh, tweeted what? me tweeted me a picture of him in the ground. Obviously, you couldn't see him. Um, to which I replied, "Friend," uh, and then heard nothing else again. So he was there, but I never got to meet him. So who knows who Little Melon Man really tiny is? Little Melon Man, tiny, so mysterious, tiny Little Melon Man. I should also shout out the rest of the guys we spoke to, um, Thomas Whitby. Mark, uh, who else do we speak to? Um, there's Eli at the end of the game, a bunch of other guys. Um, but but thanks very much for everyone who got involved in that. It was really good to, to meet you all. Um, and there was a real buzz about Ipswich Town Boys as we head into this this season from this this off season like no other. Um, we should we should take our leave now. So all that leaves me to say is obviously follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, particularly YouTube because we're we're pushing that. But there's lots of um, video exclusive stuff going on there now. So do, do click subscribe on there. Hit subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five star review on iTunes. There's another one from As a Boom Hutchie I saw um, lauding your new blue tick confidence. Um, and saying your nuts look the nuts, something along those lines, I think. I don't know how he knows that. Um, and obviously, on that note, use code KOA at manscaped.com uh, for 20% off everything in their range. And it's a really good range. 
um, plus free delivery, get involved there. Um, doesn't have to be about shaving your nethers. Can also be about plucking your nose hair, getting yourself a nice pair of boxer shorts or just some cologne, boys. Um, there we go, then, boys. That's another week done. Um, we may be back later on this week, depending what happens transfer wise. Clearly, Tanner at Berry Town tomorrow. Um, so yeah, have a great start to your week, and we'll speak to you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to Portugal, more great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/slash channel/slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.